away from the kickoff of BYU football. Jaron stepping to his right, looking, looking, stopping, firing, end zone, touchdown, Gunnar Romney! This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Let's get you ready for BYU football. Here's Ben Bagley. Good evening, BYU fans, and welcome into Cougar Pregame Live, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Tonight, the 21st-ranked BYU Cougars host the 9th-ranked Baylor Bears in a preview of what a few, the future holds as BYU begins their Big 12 Conference membership next year. It is a it is a future Big 12 Conference game. We get a preview of it tonight. My name is Ben Bagley. Thank you for joining us for BYU Football. Joining me, former BYU quarterback and my favorite analyst, Riley Nelson. Home opener, 2022 kickoff here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I cannot wait. I know Cougar Nation's ready. You know, Ben, normally when I when we roll up, we roll up, you know, we're rolling up early, two and a half, about maybe two, two hours, 45 minutes before a kick, and it's pretty sparse here in Cougar Canyon. Today, parking lot was full i'm like two more i'm two rows <laughs> further back than i normally am there was already a couple thousand people waiting to welcome the team as they do the cougar walk i so glad the home opener is finally here i thought they were here to welcome you i just saw the riley foot signs out there i'm like oh this could be a fun you know, pregame. I've, I've been doing this long enough to know that that's not the case <laughs> <laughs> we just pretend that that's the case yeah. well let, let me let me start there i got some other things i want to hit with you but let's start there home opener top 10 team coming to town in baylor future conference rival a, a, a nice showing in week one, high expectations for this team. What, what is it that's got this electricity going right now for the, fa- the BYU fans here, here at the stadium? I, I mean, a lot of it is the home opener, right? Like, it's the fans have been starved for football, and maybe some made the trip down to Florida. I know I saw a lot in the airports uh, as I made the trip out there, but it's just this team is executing. you got back-to-back 10-win seasons. They come out week one just absolutely guns blazing and they executed took care of business it's a bunch of familiar names the fans know these players they feel like they've formed a relationship with these players because a lot of them you know we've been calling their name for two and three four years and uh to to have the opportunity to play against baylor who's a top 10 team in our home stadium while we are also ranked trying to uh, demonstrate what we can be as we enter a new conference but even before i enter a new conference Try and see what BYU can make of this 2022 season. For all those reasons, everyone wants to be here to witness it. There's no doubt there is some excitement. We're live here in Cougar Canyon, just outside of Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Here in about three or four minutes, you're going to hear the band walk by as the team walks by it. But before we get to all that, before we get to the game and everything else on tap, let's get you started with some game headlines. Riley, ESPN's Pete Tamil reported yesterday afternoon that according to his sources, both Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney will not play today against Baylor. I've been told that at the time of that report, a decision was not indeed made yet. So maybe a premature report there or whatever sources Pete's got, the decision hadn't been made. But if BYU's got to go without one or both of Puka, how do they make that adjustment offensively? So on the outside, I think 
you have the emergence of Chase Roberts. He played really well in week one. People are really excited about him coming out of fall camp. Of course, you've got Keanu Hill who had a touchdown pass last year, or sorry, last week, and of course showed well last year. And plenty of guys waiting in the wings to make plays uh, on the edge for BYU. But to me, how do they adjust offensively? You get the tight ends more involved. I mean, between Dallin Holker, Mason Wake, and Isaac Rex, they had, I believe, seven combined catches all in the first half last week. Now, listen, I don't think they had to go to that well too many times to get the win against South Florida and get the win in a convincing fashion. But to me, that's what you go. Isaac Rex and Dallin Holker are known commodities. They, they present matchup issues for any defense with their size and also their athleticism. So to me, you do that. And, of course, that's just the pass game. The reality is, as you look at what happened against Baylor and Waco last year, BYU's uh, inability to establish the run and create a physical presence up front was what led to them ultimately losing. So that's priority number one, get physical, establish the run game, and then to supplement the per, the potential absence of Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney, use those tight ends who are known commodities and matchup problems for defenses. You obviously got a sneak peek at my game notes because that's my headline number two. Last year in Waco, BYU absolutely manhandled at the line of scrimmage. Tyler Algier, a future NFL running back, held to just 34 yards rushing. BYU 110 yards total is priority number one. And maybe, I think, frankly, my key to the game is BYU establishing a run offense. And you can also go on the other side of the ball with the defense as well. Yeah, I, to me, the lack of defensive... Uh, the lack of defensive stoutness, if that's a word, but the lack of the ability to stop the run was a bigger issue than uh, the rushing yards from last year's matchup. But look, one thing I saw in week one, and I think this has to do with Chris Brooks, a little bit different runner than uh, Tyler Algier. BYU had issues last year with that wide zone concept because not only are they big on the Baylor front, they, they were a little bit quicker. There was a little bit of athleticism gap. What we saw against South Florida was a lot more downhill A-gap power hits. So they went from zone concepts to man concepts and from B to C-gap runs to A-gap. We hit it straight downhill, let Chris Brooks, who has who's really, I mean, he's listed at 236, but he's probably going more like 240 where Tyler Algier was 220. Go right at the teeth of that Baylor defense and see if you can't establish some momentum, establish some physical presence up front by by uh, switching up the scheme from last year's game. This offensive line of BYU has gotten a lot of preseason hype, being maybe one of the best offensive lines in the country. I don't know if they're the best, but they're right up there. It's going to be interesting because a lot of these guys are the same guys from last year, minus one or two here. But it's going to be a chance to see how much they've actually grown. So I'm excited to see what the big uglies do up front. This week, Aaron Roderick was big time a complimentary of the strides that those guys have made. Because you are right. The majority of the snaps played on the offensive line. It, it's running it back with the same guys, right? But they are a year uh, bigger, a year faster, a year stronger, a year wiser. And you hope that that plays out. Also, the front against ba- Baylor's lost a couple of guys on their front seven. And so it's it's a new team, but it will be the same scheme. Aranda, who is the head coach of Baylor, is also uh, in charge of the defense. So, uh, of course, they're going to throw in some wrinkles knowing that they're playing in back-to-back seasons. But to me, uh, to tease a, a future segment in my show with Greg, the, those five dudes up front, uh, every BYU fan should have their eye on. Uh, NFL guys across the board for BYU. You can hear the band walking by right now here at Cougar Canyon. Just take that in for a second. Give you a little game day atmosphere as the band walks by. The team right behind them. So we get a front row seat as Kalani and the boys walking by. I want to end on this, our headline segment. A lot of kind of build up to this. We played BYU, BYU played Baylor last year. 
They're playing them this year. Next year, we're conference partners. We're going to see them again next year and for the foreseeable future. People try to make this a rivalry. Is this a rivalry, a budding rivalry, or a revenge game for BYU? I think it could be a budding rivalry. To me, going into the Big 12, the most natural rivalry is TCU because they're a former conference opponent in the Mountain West, and they were trading blows winning conference championships, right? During, there's history there. Yeah, there's history there with TCU. Of course, Gary Patterson and Bronco Mendenhall, I think a lot of that had to do with the head coaches, but as the programs go, there's more familiarity there than there is with Baylor. But I can see a natural, with with the um, inherent connections of Coach Grimes, who was at BYU, takes the job at Baylor, looks to be there as a Texas boy going home, looks to be there you know, for probably the, the longer term. I can see a lot of relationship there. But this is not a rivalry yet. I mean, they played one game last year, the, only the second game's here. Of course, if BYU can turn around, I, I think whatever budding rivalry may be can be, uh, the catalyst can be, BYU returning the favor of what happened last year when uh, with Baylor making the trip up to Provo and BYU turning around and be, being physical and manhandling and coming away with a double-digit win, hopefully, if that's the case. And then Baylor goes on to, as the preseason favorite to win the Big 12, goes on to take care of business in the Big 12. I think it sets up for a lot of storylines and excitement uh, as BYU joins the Big 12 next year. Then we'll have history. Hey, coming up next, we'll talk to former Baylor QB and the Bears radio analyst, J.J. Joe. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Ben Bagley. And and welcome back into Cougar Pregame Live. It is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. We are live out here in the shadow. Actually, not the shadow is actually on the other side of Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We're on the non-shadow side of Lavelle Edwards Stadium, live from Cougar Canyon. The band and the team just entered the stadium. The crowd is still out here buzzing around, and we were talking about it in the first block. It is an electric fill out here as the home opener for BYU with high expectations. It's just around the corner. Alongside Riley Nelson, I am Ben Bagley, and we're joined right now by Baylor radio analyst and former Bears quarterback, great, J.J. Joe joins us. J.J., welcome to Provo. Great to be here. I've enjoyed, uh, I've enjoyed the, uh, the hospitality, and uh, I'm looking forward to a great game. All right, I want to start right here with you, J.J., last week, week one. So you, you, all summer long, we watch these teams get ready. We got our best guesses of what they're going to look like. And then week one happens, and some of our guesses are right, some of our guesses is wrong. Baylor gets a victory 69-10 over Albany. Not the toughest of tests for Baylor, but what was learned about this Bears team in game one? Yeah, I mean, not much, really. I mean, I I looked at it as a preseason game from that perspective because you don't have them in college. So, you know, for us, I think we got to see a few of the edge guys, Monterey Baldwin, uh, Hal Presley, some of our receivers, to see, hey, how would they uh, come into the – to the fold and replace Tyquan Thornton as well as Aaron Estrada. And defensively, I think, you know, we really need to find out from a secondary standpoint, uh, you know, who would fill in for some of those key guys we lost. So uh, we found out a little bit, but we'll find out much more this evening. JJ, uh, our listeners out there are, of course, very excited to join the Big 12. And uh, as part of that, want to learn, you know, everybody's kind of getting used to some of the history and the background of 
our future conference uh, opponents and, and conference mates. So uh, Dave Aranda is a guy who spent some time at Utah State, an in, in-state rival here for BYU. And, of course, uh, Coach Grimes moving from BYU to Baylor has been well-documented. So there's some familiarity there. My question for you is how well do those guys align with – the traditional kind of culture that's been established at Baylor. And for, and for just quickly, for example, for me, Baylor really kind of ascended and really got on my map under Art Bryles and RG3, which wasn't that long ago. Maybe right. take us back a little bit further as what the culture looked like and how that compares to what Aranda has established today. Yeah, I think it really, I mean, Bryles came in and really brought us to the next level, as you can imagine. Uh, we really struggled. He got us going, got the Heisman, got the new stadium. But then I think, you know, after all, all the things that went down and we switched over to Rule, I think Rule and the culture he established in his short time here, that's where Aranda and Grimes and Mattel, all those guys really fit what Baylor's trying to build and what they're trying to do. So uh, I think they've come in, done a great job, really fit, and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, this second year will be better than the first. We're talking to J.J. Joe here, color analyst for the Baylor Bears Radio Network. We are live outside of LaValle Edwards Stadium here at Cougar Canyon with Cougar pregame live. As we as we sit out here in the shadow of the stadium, you feel the, the, the late summer heat coming on you and everything else. We're getting ready for game day. It is Cougar pregame live here on the BYU New Skin Radio Network, Ben Bagley, Riley Nelson, and we're joined right now with Baylor Radio Analyst J.J. Joe. J.J., looking at last year and to this year, BYU top in the nation, according to Bill Connolly, in returning production at 85%. Baylor brings back 45%, which is 126th in the nation. Not, not. It looks looks like a low number, but you still got some guys that come back from last year's team that are really good, but you lost some guys. How oh, yeah. similar are, are these two teams when they come and take the field tonight? No, I think BYU is in a much, I guess you could say, uh, better position. Just from the standpoint of, you know, your edge players, your quarterback, uh, a lot of that defense, uh, a lot of really established players uh, from a team that went, I think, was a 10-3, uh, a really good season. Uh, for us, really, we're really trying to figure out on the edges. The, our lines are great. Our front seven on defense, that's great. But, you know, we lost all three of our receivers from last year that really produced. We lost our two top, top tailbacks. That produced, of course, we made the switch at quarterback, so we feel pretty solid there. And then in the secondary, we lost our top two corners, uh, lost our safety, J.T. Woods. A lot of those guys are going to be playing on Sunday. So uh, we really feel like this test in, uh, in here in Provo is going to be the first uh, high leverage moment for a lot of those type guys. J.J., uh, the 303 yards that the Baylor Bears offense produced against this BYU team last year still has some BYU fans losing sleep and, of course, has been probably the most talked about concern as people look forward to this game. You mentioned the two tailbacks have moved on from the program. What about those those big fives, those five big dudes up front that are going to be, that, quite frankly, last year pushed the BYU front seven around uh, what does that look like, returning pitcher, and uh, what? how do you anticipate them maneuvering their way in this game tonight? Yeah, it'll be a tough matchup because, I mean, BYU is bringing back their guys, and as you can imagine, they're going to change some things up. But but we really feel good about our front. You know, uh, four of the five guys are back. We lost Xavier Newman. Uh, but they're, they're really intelligent. We have the center back. And for a young quarterback, uh, Blake Shapin is only making his, I think, now third start. Uh, and so you want to have uh, the up front solidified. Now, uh, for our runners, I think, you know, our runners and our edge players, 
you know, they have to figure out who's going to make those plays that Tyquan Thornton made, who's going to make those plays that Abram Smith made. He just seemed to always make a play. And that's where we're trying to find out, right, who's going to be those replacement players. But up front, I'm going to tell you, Connor Galvin at the left tackle, uh, you know, he really leads that group. It's a fantastic group to have. Let's talk about Blake Shapin just a little bit. Last year with BYU faced Baylor, they, they didn't see Blake Shapin. Blake comes in the last couple of big games of the season, including the Big 12 championship. And, and I'm watching some tape of him from last week as well. This is a kid who doesn't seem like there's a moment that's too big for him. He's standing tall. He looks confident behind center. He looks confident in the, in, in, in the pocket. Not, doesn't look like he's in a hurry. He looks like he's got to control the game. That's what you want to see out of a quarterback. But this is a young kid. Has he been – I mean, it's hard to say this about in a conference championship game, but what level of test has he seen in his young career? You know, it's been amazing. Uh, you know, he came in against Kansas State. Gary Bohannon had a fantastic year going. He blew his hamstring. I mean, you heard the thing pop. And Blake Shapin comes in, and it's like fourth and six or third and eight. And I'm going to tell you, I was impressed because Coach called six. Coach Grimes called six straight pass plays, which I found was out of the norm for us. So uh, then he came in and beat us, beat Tech, and then we had to play the Big 12 championship game against a really good Oklahoma State team. So he is. He's a very calm guy. He's a, he was a baseball, a really highly rated baseball player. His arm angle release is really good. He's really calm. It doesn't seem like he gets too flustered by much. Uh, so he's the right person, as you can imagine, to beat out Gary Bohannon. Um, that was tough, a tough decision for Coach. But uh, he has a really, I think, high upside, and we hope that he can uh, continue to build this evening. J.J., you mentioned at the beginning of our uh, – actually, sorry, it was as we were waiting to come back from break uh, about some of the topography, obviously – Baylor makes their way out to West Virginia where there's some mountains, but we're a little bit higher elevation out here. The mountains are a little bit steeper. As you as a player, did you ever make your way out here to you know Utah or the Mountain West? And for the players on the Baylor team today, maybe making their first trip up, has there been any talk about the elevation or, or any of the other environmental factors for the game tonight? Yeah, not much about that. I mean, I know coaches, the coaches are really about we control what we can't control and the game is going to be where it's going to be. So, you know, I know they haven't done much there. I know they got out today and moved around a little bit. But there's nothing like playing in altitude. I mean, when I played, we played at Boulder twice. And early in the game, you can feel it. A coach has to be prepared to sub more uh, because you just feel, you know, that the air is a little thinner. So you, you have to adjust. Uh, so for this team, though, I think the only guy who would really have experience is Siaka. Siaki Apu, Apu, a nose guard. I mean, you know, he's from Salt Lake City, but – Everybody else, for the most part, it may be, I think, uh, most of their first opportunity to play here, uh, and it will be different. They'll have to adjust. J.J., we appreciate your time as we do, we're talking in the break. Hopefully it's a great experience for you guys out here in Provo for the next two hours, and after that, maybe not so good. I got you. Sick of my man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, J.J. Take care. That's J.J. Joe, Baylor radio analyst uh, and, and a former Baylor quarterback. Good guy. Fun to, fun to talk to him. Coming up next, Cougar Cuts. Does familiarity with Baylor and their play callers help BYU? Liza Tuiaki will tell us all about that coming up next. You're listening to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Ben Bagley and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin. BYU Sports Network. 
Cougar pregame live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. It is time for Cougar cuts here as we sit in Cougar Canyon outside of Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU fans, Baylor fans milling together, getting along, getting excited for kickoff just under two hours away. We'll start with head coach Kalani Satake. He says it's a great opportunity to be able to host Baylor, a top 25 team. We're really excited about the opportunity to play against Baylor, and uh, you know we're familiar with them. Really, really good team. Um, obviously ranked, and they're, they're the standard for the Big 12. They're, they're the champs, they're the conference champs, and we get to have them here in Provo. And excited to see how we match up from from our game against them last year to now. So I know the guys are really excited about this opportunity, and um, there's there's a lot of uh, connections that we have with you know that program. But uh, I think Dave Randa does an amazing job run, running a football program, and, and as a coach, as a mentor. He's got a great mind, and I, I like him. Riley, the opportunity to host a not top 25 team, a top 10 team at Laval Edwards Stadium. It hasn't happened very often. Yeah, I mean, we're talking so much about the the relationships and the familiarity with, between the two programs. And while life may be about relationships, football is about getting it done once that ball's kicked off and, and between the white lines. So um, I, I think BYU – Honestly, I think BYU still, uh, by how much it was mentioned in the press conferences and interviews throughout the week, I think they have a bad taste in the mouth with the way that uh, the game went last year. Not just the fact that they lost, but the way in which they lost. A lot of people saying that they felt like uh, BYU got pushed around. So I'm excited to see what kind of intensity uh, the players bring and what kind of intensity the coaches bring to the matchup here tonight to try and avenge what happened last year. Well, you talk about getting pushed around. A guy who probably has a little bit of that bad taste in his mouth was his offensive lineman Blake Freeland. He talked earlier this week about the need to be able to run the ball better this time against Baylor. I remember they're a really good defense. I think this this year we need to run the ball a lot better than we did, um, and I think that starts up front. I think we have a lot to prove um, just going against a good defensive line. Yeah, just got to be able to run the rock. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what every O-line dreams of is an opportunity to play against a good front set, defensive front seven and – show what they can do right that's far more than taking a pass drop and you know kick stepping into pass coverage and letting your qb do all the work when you can get out and reestablish the line of scrimmage on the other side of the ball that's what gets your own lineman giddy and ready to play all 60 minutes and uh boy like i said we're still what dang we're still an hour 45 (laughs) from kickoff (laughs) but i can't wait to see how those guys get come out of the gate well i think this is and and i've been saying this all week long is to me the the very key to this game is byu's run offense and run defense because last year i mean people weren't just saying it was pretty obvious they were getting pushed around like that was i think one of the only times last year you saw byu's offensive front five get moved and moved often and it, it, I, I think if you're Blake and you're the rest of that offensive line, there is that bitter taste in your mouth coming into the game tonight. Uh, going to the next one, this is where uh, uh, defense coordinator Elias Tuiaki, he talked about talking about uh, Baylor coming in and the advantages and disadvantages of a familiar foe. It's obviously a good offense. It's a lot like facing our offense, right? We have a really good offense. We've got a lot of good personnel. I mean, our, our offensive lines are, are comparable. Our tight ends are comparable. Our quarterback is as well, you know, uh, receivers as well. And so it's uh, we're facing a good offense just like we have been all fall camp uh, up to now. Uh, an offense is capable of scoring a lot of points as well as just running the ball, being physical. I mean, there's everything that, that you'd want out of an offense they've got, you know. I, and I think it's the same thing about our offense. It's 
everything that you want out of an offense, you know, our offense has gotten. So, you know, it, it'll be a great challenge for us. It's uh, we, We've got to show up to play and have, have our boys playing, playing fast, being ready, and, you know, to having our schemes ready and all that stuff. Ben, Coach Tuiaki, last the, the first quarter and a half of the game, I was seeing stuff from the BYU defense that I hadn't seen. Super creative. The what, Their disguises, awesome. Uh, they, they were playing a bunch of combo coverages where they were they would man up one half of the field or they would man up one receiver or two receivers and then play zone behind it. They were playing all sorts of stunts. In the game. And then once the game got in hand, right, they got up 28 nothing. they kind of took that play sheet, folded it up, put it in their back pocket. You don't want to give up too much film, especially with this game looming against Baylor. That first quarter and a half, has me so incredibly excited for what I'm going to see here tonight. Because if if you watch that game film and objectively evaluate, now, here's another thing that's got me super excited. BYU did not have their full complement of players in their front seven. At that time, they were missing some linebackers. They had they were banged up on the defensive front. They are they have a 100% clean bill of health on the defensive side of the ball for, for BYU. That combined with some of the stuff, some of the creativity, and some of the schemes I saw early on in the game against South Florida that they put away so to not give – Coach Grimes, too much tape to study. Boy, I think the BYU defense is going to surprise some people here today. I think they're excited that they're healthy, first and foremost. They got their linebackers. They need uh, Pate Wilgar healthy, Max Tooley. Keenan Peely, a big, big presence that was missed in that Baylor game last year. It would be nice to have those guys at full strength, 100% healthy, and see how that changes the game because I think it really will. Because BYU, this the, the excitement around this BYU defense it, should be higher than it is because they've got some ballers out there in the secondary and they're going to be fantastic to watch this year i'm excited to watch them cup next jason shepherd sits down he'll talk to a member of that byu defense he'll sit down and go one-on-one with max Tooley. more cougar pregame live after this on the new skin byu sports network You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Ben Bagley. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Ben Bagley, Riley Nelson here in the shadow of LaVelle Edwards Stadium, live from Cougar Canyon as we are about an hour and a half from kickoff of BYU's home slate as they host ninth-ranked Baylor here at Lavelle, Lavelle Edwards Stadium, a preview of what a Big 12 foe may look like as you just join the conference next year. In fact, by the way, we'll talk about this a little bit later, the, the commissioner in town for this game. So we'll talk a little bit about that coming up a little bit later. But first, it's time for Shep Talk. Jason Shepard sat down this week with BYU linebacker Max Tooley. Here's that conversation. What did you learn about the team in week one? Obviously, you guys got the win. You looked pretty good. Uh, what did you guys think you learned about yourselves? We just learned that we can uh, come out with anything, you know, whatever whatever challenges we may face, you know, whether it be game one, you know, that's always a challenge for any team in college football, whether it's a, a rain delay, a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay. I think we, we showed that we can handle adversity and uh, – you know, just go through with our plan um, and, you know, get, get the win regardless of whatever happens. So You could tell just in talking with you guys through fall camp and heading into the season, you guys were confident. Then you go out and have a performance like that. Does that justify the confidence that you guys went into the season with? I think in a way it does justify it. You know, obviously you want to you have success and you want to see the, the, the success coming into game one. Um, but, you know, that, that doesn't, 
necessarily give us a reason to be satisfied at this point. We know, uh, you know, we only have bigger games ahead of us. So I think it's just uh, a matter of staying focused and uh, staying concentrated at the bigger picture in the whole season. Take me through the pick six. You could tell that as soon as you had that, you knew you were taking it to the house. Take me through the play. I saw three receivers out to the field and uh, playing out in the field. You know, that's always a big telltale that uh, something's coming your way. Plus the tight end lined up to the field as well. So naturally when they're overloading the field, I'm, uh, I'm expecting something. And then when I saw the back motion out, that's kind of that was kind of my responsibility in playing that flat. I kind of just read it at that point once I saw he was getting ready to wind up and throw to the flat. Just broke on it. Kind of had to weave my way through there. But, yeah, just play play receiver from that point. You know, got to score. Score for the team. Did you know that once you had the pick that you there wasn't really anybody behind you at that point? Like, you had this touchdown. You'd think that, like, looking at it. But in my head, I thought I was getting hawked, like, as soon as I caught it. So, naturally, there was, like, a little bit of stumble that shouldn't happen. But I think that always just happens anytime I've been in that sort of situation throughout my whole career. I trusted my speed, but at the same time, you know, I, you can never be too cautious and protecting the ball and whatnot. But once I saw, I looked up on the big screen actually and saw there was no one that close. That was when I, you know, held up the peace sign and, uh, you know, just got, got to celebrating the, the touchdown. A lot has been made of the linebacking core, the fact that everybody's back and healthy. We certainly know how talented the linebacking group is. What do you think makes this group so productive when you guys get out on the field? You know, obviously we're, we're playing with some some great linebackers. You know, we got Peyton, we got Keenan, Ben, a bunch of guys that have been here for about, you know, the same amount of time. We all kind of came in together. We all kind of got the same amount of experience. We've kind of gone through the same process and um, learned the scheme together. So I feel like that alone, having all that experience under our belt, both game and practice and scheme-wise, I think that, you know, obviously any group that has that much experience, they're going to be a big, you know, foundation to a defense, um, a big resting point for, for anybody to come to. So I think having that, you know, having Peyton and Keenan, have that experience that we've had, that helps a lot when it comes to the overall production of a defense. What do you remember from last year's loss in Waco? You know, that was a tough one. You know, it was our, our first, for sure, my first game down in Baylor. We knew they were going to be a hard team, and they came out and they ran the ball on us, you know. We had a lot of injuries, I guess. You know, there, there was a lot of people out. We had a lot of missing gaps on our defense and our offense, really. But we were kind of fighting at that point to put up a fight. And I thought we did all right, but in the end, uh, it came down to us not executing. So I think it's, I don't know, we're just going to have to execute a lot more this year. We're going to have to you know, stay healthy, um, get through this game. What do you know about their offense? Obviously, you're familiar with the coordinator. It's a, an offense that you guys have gone against uh, quite a bit when Coach Grimes was here. <laughs> do you go in feeling confident because it is a scheme that you're familiar with? Or do you not put a whole lot of stock in that and it's all about watching the tape and seeing what they're doing right now? I mean, it's a little bit of both. Grimes, he has that similar offense to, to A-Rod. Um, our offenses are very are very similar, really. And uh, a lot of the offensive guys have joked throughout the last week or since we've been preparing, asking us how it, how it feels to play practically against our own offense. It's an interesting way to look at it. But I think it gives us that, that perspective that we need to take on this challenge 
and we've been practicing against Grimes multiple years, you know. So I think we have, in a way, an advantage, but you never know what you're going to come out and see. You know, you never know what surprises you may see on Saturday. So we got to prepare for anything. I realize your focus and all of your teammates' focus is game-specific. You guys are worried about the game. Fans and media, we have the luxury of being able to sort of look at big-picture type stuff. And obviously, with BYU going into the Big 12 next season, this is going to be a, a future conference opponent. Does that add anything to a matchup like this? Does, is it something to the, that you go out wanting to prove? Or can you not worry about that right now? You almost do. You know, many of us probably won't be here for the – for the big 12 time will tell but first year um before we get in there it'll be a big uh, statement game for us if we can come out and make a statement against a future potential rival in our conference um i think that would be a huge momentum booster for us going into the big 12 next year and having having to play those teams uh week in and week out what type of atmosphere do you imagine for uh i mean i would hope it's something to to compare to last year's Utah game, the atmosphere at that game was unmatched. You know, for sure go down. You know, in my my personal history book is one of the most exciting games I've ever played. The crowd was was crazy. I imagine it will be very similar to that in that BYU fans want us to come out and play our hardest, so they're going to come out and support for that game. All right, Max, let's wrap things up with the final four questions. Your, uh, your favorite class at BYU is what? My favorite class I've ever taken at BYU is probably uh, a world religions class I took my first summer here after my mission it gave me a good uh, introduction to you know what other people see in religion so i thought that was that was a unique aspect in the class that i took at BYU. very cool which is better the book or the movie <laughs> i think there are certain things where books definitely do a better job in detailing out but for me you can't go wrong with visually learning I think just watching something and taking everything in visually, that's that's the best way to uh, consume media, if you say, if you will say. Look, it's the right answer. I don't know how many people are going to say the book this year when I talk to some of your other teammates, but the right answer is the movie. So you, you and I are on the same wavelength here. What's the first thing you would buy if you inherited a million dollars? I really wanted to buy a, a nice car that, you know, could drive a little fast. So I think I'd probably buy a Mercedes, a little AMG, you know, something not too flashy, but something that will get, get the job done. Something that's got a little get up and go. I like it. A little get up and go. Yep. All right. Last question. What will you remember most about the era of independence? You know, I think it's just a matter of all the memories that I have with all the big games I've played in the big games that we've came out with a win. I think all those games, all the, just all the moments with the boys. Um, those are the things that will, will last throughout the years. Just getting close with my friends, having some of my best friends on the team. There's nothing to top that. All right, Max, before we wrap things up, I want to make sure that everybody that's listening to this interview right now knows something about you. What people would not have known just by listening to this, this is technically the second time that we have done this interview. We actually did this exact same interview yesterday, and because of some technical issues that were on my end, it was completely my fault, the audio was gone. And so, Max, I want everybody to know how good of a guy Max is. He was willing the next day to do the exact same interview again. So I want everybody to know the type of guy Max is for being willing to do this. Max, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much, and good luck against me. Appreciate it. No worries. Thank you, Jason. There you go, Jason Shepard with Max Tooley. Coming up next, we'll step into the Wayback Machine and look back at what started out as a dark and stormy night in Provo, but it ended in a glorious way. You're tuned in to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 
This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Ben Bagley. Welcome back to Cougar Pregame Live, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. As we continue our look back at the best of the win, best wins of independence, I thought it was appropriate with Baylor in town to focus on another previous matchup against a Big 12 team and a team from Texas. Here in Provo, I'm going to take you back to September 7, 2013. In Lavelle Edwards Stadium, number 15, Texas, comes into town. And you know what? It was a beautiful day. Until it wasn't. A big thunderstorm came from the south. Kickoff was postponed two hours due to severe rain and lightning. In fact, I remember being in the press box and a couple people from the Texas Athletic Department talking to me about this. And I said, oh, don't worry. It's just a thunderstorm. It'll be gone in 15 minutes. It wasn't. I was wrong. Uh, once the game got underway, though, BYU absolutely worked the Longhorns. Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, they ran all over the Texas defense and route to a school record 550 yards rushing. Hill finished with 259 rushing yards and three TDs. At that time, Hill's 259 were the most by a quarterback since, ironically, Texas Vince Young in 2005. Jamal Williams set a career high with 182 yards on the ground. The Cougars' offense dominated the Longhorns' defense so badly that after the game, Texas defensive coordinator Miami Diaz was let go. At that time, BYU it was BYU's first win over a ranked team in four years. BYU TV's Dave McCann on the call with Taysom post-game comments right here to relive it. Very important third down for BYU. Hill. There it goes. Touchdown. 68 yards for Taysom Hill. And BYU's back in the lead. And this is where Taysom Hill can really hurt a defense. Now Taysom runs out of trouble and runs into the end zone. BYU back in the lead. Taysom Hill with 151 yards rushing and two touchdowns in the first half. Second and goal from the 10. Lasique to the 5. Touchdown! Hoffman at the bottom of the screen. Hill takes off again. He's in! Taysom Hill's third rushing touchdown of the night. McCoy's going to lob to the end zone on the final play of the game, and it's batted down by Daniel Sorensen. Did you expect to be able to run on Texas the way you did? We expected to, yeah, to, to run on. We didn't expect to break the school record, but, hey, it was working, and uh, we were able to move the ball really efficiently through on the ground, and there was no need to go away from it, so we didn't. There you go, Riley. About nine years ago is uh, BYU throttled Texas. That game was amazing from the thunderstorm. That was one of the worst thunderstorms I've ever seen. It came through here, delays it for two hours, and then BYU, like last week, comes out of the locker room and just puts it to them. Yeah, I don't know that I can give your story much credibility because you were up in the press box. I was down here in the fans <laughs> with everybody else ducking cover underneath the bleachers. It was pretty it, scary in the press box, intense. though. Well, <laughs> Well, we had, like, rivers of water running through uh, the uh, the concourse here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. But, no, hey, listen, so that was my first game after I – right? that was first game of 2013. I finished playing at the end of the 2012 season. But let me tell you something that I, I should have known this was coming, right? So, 2012, Taysom was just back from mission. I think he got back in, like, May. He didn't get spring ball with us, but, it, you know, beginning of the summer. So, he didn't have his full complement, right? We all know about return missionaries. It takes at least about a year for them. We had a, we had a – 
beast of a conditioning test going into that season. And uh, they, they set it up such that there were kind of different levels. There was kind of passing, then there was kind of a, you know, a, a performance level, and then there was an elite level. And you got to kind of sign up because it, it was a certain number of sprints, and you had to do each sprint with a certain in a certain time and with a certain amount of rest. Well, a bunch of dudes signed up for the elite. Only four passed them. Danny Sorensen, obviously going on his ninth year in the NFL. Uh, Sky Pove, who was a you know good so, so good defensive back for us, a lot of people remember his name. Preston Hadley, who uh, you know before yep. breaking his hands uh, had a shot with the Seattle Seahawks, of course now on the current current staff, and Taysom Hill. The difference was between all three of those is Preston, Sky, and Danny had all been back from their mission like three years, and here Taysom Hill is the only guy one one of only four dudes on the entire team. And the only RM, or at least recent RM, to pass the elite level conditioning. So right there we knew, like, holy cow. Not to mention the dude was, like, power cleaning 300 pounds and squatting five within a couple months being back. So uh, we, we got a little bit of glimpse in 12 of what he could be. And, I mean, this was definitely his welcome to Provo or, you know, his debut on the big stage doing what he did to Texas. And, and that hurdle, I think the hurdle happened the next year down in down Austin. Down in Austin, yeah. Uh, but, boy, did, did he ever take it to him and – that was a fun game to see, a fun game to be in the stands for. Yep, no doubt about it. It's one of the more memorable games since uh, I've been down here covering BYU that I remember sitting in the press box watching and watching the reaction as, as BYU ran it up on Texas. Coming up next, we'll visit with the voice, Greg Rebell. Cougar pregame live continues next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to preview today's matchup with head coach Kalani Sataki. It's the Cougar Pregame Coaches Show, presented by Zions Bank. For big-time banking with a home team feel, Zions Bank is for you. The Welcome back. It is actually still Cougar Pregame Live, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Joining us now, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell. Greg, welcome to Cougar Canyon for the first time of the year, a pregame show. But before we get to all the niceties, everybody wants to know, what's the status of Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney? So just finished my pregame conversation with Kalani Sitaki. You'll hear that in about a half hour here during our pregame coverage. And, uh, yeah, we got to the personnel uh, concerns regarding the top two wide receivers, and Kalani confirms neither will play tonight. So uh, Gunnar was close last week, a little closer this week, a no-go in both weeks. And he said uh, Puka actually looked better and felt better in-game and right after the game than he did when things like adrenaline wore off and and they got a closer look at what he was dealing with and so the uh the conclusion was to keep him best prepared to play more of the season keep him out for this game early in the season get him some rest and so no Gunnar romney tonight no puka nakua tonight for byu so uh two guys who accounted for just about 250 receiving yards in waco last year will not play tonight so uh that's the challenge facing byu that said BYU got a combined one catch from Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua last week, and Jaron Hall still found a way to complete 25 passes. So uh, Kalani is justifiably, and I, I think, uh, you know, glass half full excited about the opportunities that Chase Roberts and Cody Epps and Keanu Hill and Braden Cosper get to, uh, to fill the gaps left by the absences of Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney. And he said, don't forget the tight end room. And that's going to be a big part of this equation as well, uh, not to mention backs out of the backfield. Uh, they're not... 
bereft of options at this point without those two. Yes, you want to have them, and, and BYU is a better team with them, and the chances to beat Baylor go up with those guys. But uh, they're still going to have a game plan that uh, is, is designed to do um, the things that this offense can do with or without those two. So that's the situation. No Romney, no Nakua tonight. And the hope is, and it's not a crazy hope, to think that maybe by next week both could be available uh, at Oregon. And, uh, and again, I, I think not playing Puka tonight, Puka in particular, uh, not playing Puka tonight gives you the best chance to have him at Oregon and not to re-aggravate, re-irritate, and then find him out for two and three weeks when he could have just been be- better with one more week of rest. So that's the update from Kalani. And oh, oh can I also note, uh, there was one other concern last week. Defensively, there was a player leave the game on the D-line, Gabe, Gabe Summers. Summers yes. And... and he said, miraculously, Gabe came back Monday, in fact, even Sunday treatment, and what we thought was there would look pretty bad, according to Kalani. wasn't there. They, 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 they caught a break, they think, with Gabe Summers, and so he's excited to have Gabe. So the defense is pretty much everyone accounted for, and the offense missing two big pieces. So, Greg, full complement of health on the defensive side of the football, then, yeah. is that obviously the 303 rushing yards given up last year has been the most talked-about concern for Cougar fans for me this week. Why will it be different this year if you think it will be different or if the team thinks it will be different? Well, I, I don't know that there's a reason to say it, it works this year where it didn't last year. Um, I, I do think it's comforting to know that essentially every offensive lineman who got meaningful reps at that time of year is back, and then you add Kingsley Suamataia to the group, and, and that Chris Brooks looks so good uh, last week. And I think that, and maybe the nature of the game, too, BYU had to go away from the run maybe earlier than they wanted to. Grant, they, were, they, they, they weren't having a ton of success with it, but BYU was down multiple scores much of that game last year. Um, that's why Jaron Hall threw for, I mean, he threw for a big number, and they were still, you know, down multiple scores a lot of the game. Um, I, I, I just, you know, they're better. They're a year better. Baylor's offensive line is also a year better, and, and, and they bring back all their starters essentially intact for their five starters back, too. So, I think we're there. They're trying to find guys um, and give guys experience where BYU's already got those guys with Lopini Katoa and Chris Brooks talking about the running backs right now. No, staying on that note, no inside information at all here, just from a guy who likes football. After last year, I'm guessing the the offensive line, which the majority of them are back this year for BYU, which Riley and I talked about earlier, a bit of a bitter taste in their mouth after not I mean, what, 110 rushing was all BYU accounted for last year. At 67 yards rushing, I think, against against Baylor last yeah, year. Yeah, just 30, 34 from Tyler yeah, Algier. Right, right. Not a great, not a great output on that one. But this offense line, proud group of guys. My guess, we might see BYU come out early and try to just establish just that line of scrimmage yeah. and see lots of Christopher Brooks and Lapini Katoa. And and I do uh, on that note too. Um, I, I think I think double and triple tight is an option you can go to, especially down Puka and Gunner. Um, you don't need to see as much three wide out necessarily, and, and you can kind of maybe almost minima, uh, mitigate the impact of their loss by leaning a little more on the running backs and the tight ends. And uh, we remember the, the first year of Gary Croton uh, back in the day in 2001, uh, double and triple tight became the, uh, the M.O., and, uh, and, and there were some thoughts about, there were some references to that time period for BYU and how, how equipped they might be to go there with Rex and Holker and Wake right now. So I, I, you know, might, might see some of that tonight. You've got to find a way to get your best players, put your best players in an opportunity to, yeah. to make big plays. And right now, two of your best pass catchers are uh, Rex and Holker uh, right now. They're tight ends. Yeah. So, so, Greg, uh, Baylor, obviously they've got Shapin, who they feel good about, such that Bohannon transferred, who BYU faced last week. He's now at South Florida. Who, um, 
and their two tailbacks, their top two wide receivers, all have moved on from Baylor. Mm-hmm. So Baylor's looking for playmakers outside of Shapin. Did you get a sense from the coaching staff? Is there anybody that they're going to key on that you know Baylor's hoping to be, or, or that worries BYU to be that big play for the Baylor Bears? Well, whether or not it's the coaching staff keying on them or the broadcaster keying on them, Monterey Baldwin, number eighty jumps off the video when you watch it uh he has burst and he last night or last week accounted for 130 yards on six touches uh he was four for 84 and a score through the air he was two for 46 and a score on the ground including a jet sweep of 50 yards that he just ran away from guys like a shot down the sideline so i'm circling number 80 uh monterey baldwin baldwin who had experience last year uh and hal presley the auburn transfer also scored last week uh on 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 the edge for baylor so those two number 16 presley number 80 baldwin are highlight guys and and they played uh they they played five six running backs last week now granted it's albany they got they got a lot of guys in the game but uh, they're, they're, again, not devoid of talent, despite the fact they lost guys to the NFL and, and, and record-setting runners from last season. Blake Shapin coming in first year as the starting quarterback at Baylor. He got a couple of starts last year just watching some tape on him. Confident young man back there in the pocket. He seems like he was born to play quarterback at Division One level. What are you seeing out of him? Well, uh, I'm seeing his first true away start tonight and this will be his uh, fourth start overall yep. right and and uh, and well, let's see he started the championship game last year started texas tech last year that's neutral and home albany last week yes start number four but true away game uh, number one and and i again i in my mind maybe it's because the time the game is kicking off uh, the caliber of the opponent but the arizona state game comes to mind last year and and how this crowd and it'll be a sellout crowd again tonight can potentially rattle uh Ideally, Blake Shapin in his first a true away start. That would be the hope, I guess. So you're saying it's up to these guys out here in to front of us the, to really help on yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, there you go. They're saving their voices for it. So just <laughs> by the way, uh, Kalani uh, already has lost a lot of his voice. I said, how, how how's your voice? The game is is like an hour and a half away. He says, just go just coming up Cougar Canyon and dealing with the rock has already taken up of Kalani's voice. He's got to pace himself. He's got to be like a distance runner. You <laughs> no, can't, no, you can't don't sprint. change. You can't change it up. <laughs> no, that's how he's always been, and that's what that's what works for him. So, All right, Greg, thanks so much. We'll Thank look you, forward to your call coming up uh, here in a little while and your conversation with Kalani Stocky here yep. in about 30 minutes. Hey, before we go to break, just want to pause 10 seconds along the new skin BYU Sports Network for station identification. This is BYU Radio on KBYU-FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. All right, coming up on the other side of the break, Mitchell Jurgen sits down, joins me here from Cougar Canyon. It is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Ben Bagley and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We are live here in Cougar Canyon as we are about an hour and ten minutes from kick of this one. Is number nine Baylor in town to take on 21st ranked BYU. A top 25 matchup at Laval Edwards Stadium. Don't have to go back as far as you think for that. It happened last year, so uh, although I believe Arizona State was a little overranked in that one. Uh, well, let's, we joined right now by Mitchell Jurgens, who will be on the sideline tonight. Grateful it's not raining and muggy and lightning like last week. You got some good weather tonight, Mitch. 
this this is this is what you dream of, right? <laughs> they 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 talk about as a player, this is kind of whether you dream of, but now I can officially say as a as a broadcaster, as a sideline reporter, I mean this is this is more important, right? You got yes. clean weather, um, some some uh, you know not too cold. And uh, it's it's going to be a, a perfect day for a football game. And you felt the temperature drop about five degrees there in the last is. hour, so yeah. it's beautiful. It's fall weather. It's beautiful here yeah. in Provo. Come check it out. Hey, uh, let's talk right now off the top. We just heard from Greg, who talked to Kalani Sataki. You'll hear that conversation coming up in a moment. But no Puka, no Gunner tonight. Didn't have Gunner last week, but Puka really started that game on a high note last week in the first quarter before he got injured. How big of a deal is that for BYU not having Puka available tonight? So it, it's it's going to be difficult, right? I, I think um, it what this does now it just it calls on other guys in that receiver room to step up and and fill Puka's shoes. Um, obviously, as you look across the entire BYU roster, I think you can argue that Puka's you know could be the best player on BYU's team. With that said, you know coming as a as a former receiver. Um, receiver is one of those positions that if you have guys that can step in, um, I, I don't think the team or the offense as a as as a unit should take too many steps back, right? Um, and there's and even last game, I mean, Jaron completed the ball to twelve different guys on the offense, um, twelve different pass catchers, whether it's a running back, a tight end, a receiver, they all caught balls. Um, last week against USF, there are a lot of weapons out there, and so I, I think this would be. Um, if BYU's receiver group didn't have the depth that it had or they didn't have the tight ends with the talent that they have, um, I, I think this would be a harder conversation. It would impact the offense even more. But you've got a lot of guys that can step up. you got Chase Roberts. Um, I'm, I'm super excited about Dallin Holker. I mean, I think he's a, a very athletic tight end. You heard Greg talk about him. Uh, but a guy that could potentially even step into the slot as a receiver and, and pick up. Um, some slack with you know not having Gunner and Puka in the lineup. So uh, I, I think BYU has plenty of options. We'll see how they use it, how they attack it um, with those guys gone. Um, but uh, I mean, it, definitely there's depth, there's talent, and and the hope is that these guys rise to the occasion and fill the Puka shoes, who can be a proven third down playmaker, a fourth down playmaker when you need to move the chains. In your career, do you ever have that experience where the guy, or we're saying Puka Puka's the guy on the offense? isn't available, but as a young up-and-coming player or a player who's not necessarily in that spotlight, all of a sudden it's your time. What's yeah. that like? What's going through the heads of, uh, of these guys in that locker room knowing, hey, i got to step up? Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, it's definitely going through their minds, and, and the hope is they've been prepping for this all week, right? you got a guy like, like Chase Roberts who can take that step. We've seen you know, the talent at the high school level. We've seen him make plays last week against USF, and he can absolutely do it. Um, and and the hope is that he's preparing for this moment. He's done it all week. He's he's probably been put in situations in practice, knowing that not having Puka would be an option um, for this week. And um, I mean, this is it, it. Almost takes for a young guy to come in and prove that he can be a playmaker. It takes a guy going down or missing a week so that he can come in and make that statement. Team wide offense, defense from week one to week two. Where do you want to see the biggest improvement? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, obviously, on the offensive side, I mean, Aaron Roderick called a doozy for that USF uh, defense. Um, it was incredible to watch. So it, from the offensive side, there's not too much to say. With that said, though, um, I, I want to see them capitalize on their explosive play attempts, right? We saw 
Um, one deep ball last week from Jaron to Keanu. Keanu dropped that pass. Uh, they need to be able to capitalize. In that moment, it didn't affect the outcome of the game. Didn't play too much of a role. However, in a game against Baylor, when it's going to be big plays are going to make or break, uh, potentially put in, you know, whoever's going to win this game is going to be the team that makes more big plays. We've got to capitalize on those moments. Um, the, the other thing that I would say from the offensive side is you can't turn over the ball in the red zone. Um, you know, I, I know looking back at the film, Jaren, it would probably love to take that uh, interception back and not throw that ball. Um, but that's one of those things where as an offense, especially when you get into the red zone, um, at the minimum, you've got to come away with three points, and you cannot turn the ball over. Um, so those those are kind of two areas where I'd see the BYU offense making a leap from week two to or week one to week two, um, where if they can improve that, I think they they put themselves in a really good spot tonight. Baylor, future conference opponent. You played them last year. These two, it just seems like the narrative from BYU, uh, just media and stuff. They're trying to make this a rivalry with Baylor. Is it a rivalry? I mean, is, is it a future rival? Or, frankly, is this just a revenge game for BYU after last year? I hope so. I mean, I think, I think what's, what's been neat about kind of the, the induction of BYU into the Big 12, that was that game against Baylor. Um, that was kind of their welcome statement, welcoming BYU to the Big 12. Um, these were two high-powered teams at that time. We come again uh, this season, and, a- again, we're right back where we were. Very high-powered offenses, great defenses, and overall, you know, top 25 teams who's looking to make statements and prove themselves as true contenders in the Big 12. And so I think I think it absolutely can be. I'd love it to be, uh, being a, um, you know, a Texas yeah. uh, from Texas. I mean, I, I, I'm loving this Big 12 move for a lot of reasons, but Baylor's one of those schools where, um, you know, is something I was looking at um, this week, since 2011, Baylor has six 10-win seasons. Um, that's quite a bit. I mean, they're, they're proving themselves to be a very good team that's putting together some, um, some great seasons. BYU, on the other hand, since 2005, they've only had one losing season, and we know that, right? BYU's, they're, they're a consistent, competitive football program, and so these are two brands, two logos that, um, that are making a name for themselves in um, NCAA football. And, and so I think... Having these two teams coming together, you know that you know year after year they're going to be competitive, and uh, I think it can be the start of something great. I'll tell you what, this becomes a rivalry real quick if these two teams meet each other every year as top 25 teams. Absolutely. <laughs> then it's a lot of fun. Mitch, thanks so much. No rain gear needed. No, no, you're just good. Just go enjoy the nice weather on the sidelines Absolutely. Tonight. Will do. Looking forward to your reports from the sideline. On the other side, we'll talk. We'll hear from B- Baylor head coach Dave Aran as he gets us ready for the game. That's next on Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now back to Ben Bagley. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union. We're getting ready for BYU as they host the ninth-ranked Baylor Bears. Earlier this week, Dave Aranda, the head coach for the Baylor Bears, talked to the media, and he started talking about his overall thoughts of this BYU team. Uh, they're a veteran group. They've got, I want to say there's eight guys back on either side of the ball, and then, you know, just their, um, a lot of experience on top of just that as well. So, you know, they've been playing for a while, and there's a great physicality about them. I think their size... And their physicality really stands out. They they play a um, 
a real physical kind of old school type of game and it's it's cool to see from the outside you know it's another thing to be lined up against it and so we're 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 definitely um, going to be challenged at the larger scrimmage Dave Aranda continued to talk about this BYU team but he gave his thoughts on quarterback Jaron Hall great play action pass thrower I think he can he can move in the pocket and create things if things aren't there. He's going to be one of the better quarterbacks we play all year. The film's impressive in terms of uh, the decisions he makes, the throws that he's able to complete. He was he was good last year. He's better now. That's Dave Aranda, head coach of the Baylor Bears, talking about BYU and also Jaron Hall now. It's his first road test for this Baylor team this season. It's the first road test for. Uh, quarterback Blake Shapin in his career. Here's what Dave Aranda says he expects to see here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Well, I, they're they're great at welcoming you at the beginning of the game, and um, just a really f- kind of friendly fan base. And, and then once you get in, I mean, it it's packed and it gets loud. And you know, I think especially now that the games are later in the evening. I mean, that's a whole thing as well, just uh, in your hotel, uh, looking at your, uh, looking at the clock, you know. And so I think it, there is a home field advantage there. I mean, that's a storm that we have to run into. And we've been talking about that and preparing for that. And so we'll see. There you go, Dave Aranda talking about getting ready to play BYU at Harold Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's going to be a great matchup. Two top 25 teams in action tonight here at a late night show here in Provo at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. When we come back, we'll look at some of the other action around college football, give you some scores, some upsets on this Saturday of college football, some big ones that have to deal with BYU as well. You're listening to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Ben Bagley and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skid, BYU Sports Network. It is the final segment of Cougar Pregame Live presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Let's get you caught up on some of the scores before getting the keys to the game as we look at the scoreboard from the top 25 in college football today. Top-ranked Alabama outlast Texas in a scorcher in Austin, not just on the field but on the scoreboard as well. Alabama gets a last-minute field goal and beats Texas 20-19. to Recorded the temperature on field at one point in the game over 115 degrees. Well, that was a great game to watch. You got a chance to watch it earlier. Also, number two, Georgia shuts out Samford. A big test for the Georgia Bulldogs. Just kidding. I'm joking. Samford, no. 33-0 for Georgia on that one. Third ranked Ohio State. Cakewalks past Arkansas State, 45-12. Fifth ranked Clemson beats Furman, uh, 35-12. You're seeing a kind of a, a trend here of the top ten teams playing some cupcakes. Uh, Marshall upsets eighth rank Notre Dame. This is important for BYU fans. Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, starting the season 0-2, just four weeks away from facing the BYU Cougars in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, Marshall upsets Notre Dame 26-20. Watch Notre Dame plummet in the polls come Monday. 16th ranked Arkansas, another BYU opponent. They doubled. Uh, they double dropped double fours in 44-30 win over South Carolina. 13th ranked Utah beats Southern Utah 73 to 7. 
Appalachian State does provide college fans a reminder and another thrilling upset, beating sixth-ranked Texas A&M 17-14 at College Station. So you see two, three, two top ten teams go down in upsets of teams outside of the Power Five. Washington State upsets number 19th-ranked Wisconsin on the road, and one score to be aware of as BYU will travel to Eugene, Oregon next week to take on the Ducks. They're up 7-zip in the first quarter over Eastern Washington, a big test for Oregon, and that is sarcasm you can hear in my voice. Uh, that's that's your top 25 scoreboard. Now as we get you the keys to the game before we hand it off to Greg Rebell and, and Riley Nelson upstairs for the, the pregame show, a couple of keys to the game for BYU, and it starts, you heard me say it earlier with Riley, and I believe that this is one of the biggest keys for this game for the BYU Cougars. It is to flip the script on what happened last year in Baylor. And when I say that, I mean towards the run game on both sides of the ball. BYU's offensive line's got to get a push, and they got to get a push early. Chris Brooks has got to be able to hit the hole, get some big yards, and establish a run game, especially with Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney not playing. You establish that run game also, and you don't miss those guys as much. You also got to see some of those outside guys, your wide receivers stepping up and big game from the tight ends and Dallin Holker, Isaac Rake, uh, Isaac Rex and Mason Wake, uh, all all from the tight end room, having a big game as well. Defensively for BYU, a key to them is that just what we talked about, the offensive line, the de- defensive front seven, forcing Blake Shapen and the Bears to take to the air and let, the, let those defensive backs create some havoc downfield. If BYU can do what they weren't able to do last year and control the trenches, stop Baylor's run, and dominate the line of scrimmage, I see a win for BYU. Interestingly enough, BYU coming in 21st ranked in this game. Baylor 9th, yet BYU a favorite in this game. If you watch college game day this morning, only one person picked BYU to win. That would have been Lee Corso. So, hoping to prove Lee right and hoping to prove everybody else on the game day crew wrong as BYU looking to keep pace, keep the, the, the unblemished record alive going in to week three next week when the Cougars travel to Eugene Oregon. Coming up next, it's the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show with Greg Rebell and Kalani Satake. You'll hear the conversation. You'll hear Kalani give us the update from his own words on Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney, so you're not going to want to miss that. You are listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Good evening, Cougar football fans. And for the first time in 2022, we welcome you back inside Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the breathtaking BYU campus in Provo, Utah for the 21st-ranked BYU Cougars home opener and a preview of future Big 12 battles to come as the ninth-ranked Baylor Bears visit BYU for the first time since the Cougars home opener in 1984. That year, the Cougs' home win over Baylor was BYU's second win in a 13-0 campaign that ended with a national championship. I'm your play-by-play broadcaster, Greg Rubel. And it was at that Baylor game in 1984 that I watched a BYU football game in person for the first time ever. I was a newly arrived freshman. I had come down from Canada to start my college education. And that day, September 8, 1984, started a relationship with BYU sports that has changed my life. And so here I am, 38 years and two days later, with a dream job, the privilege and the pleasure 
of putting on the headset to connect with Cougar Nation, and I don't do it alone. I am, of course, alongside my broadcast partner, the former BYU signal caller, the slinging, scrambling southpaw, Riley Nelson. And, Riley, it's, it's one of the games of the day in college football. Two top 25 teams squaring off on a late Saturday night. A look at conference clashes to come, this is. And it's a potential season-altering opportunity for BYU and a chance for some payback after Baylor's comfortable win last season in Waco. And I have every reason to believe, Greg, that it's going to live up to its billing. I think the way uh, you mentioned it, the matchup last year, I think that's left a bad taste in a lot of the BYU players and coaches' mouth because uh, BYU almost never gets out physical, but it was pretty evident to everybody who watched that game last year that that was the case. BYU was not ready to match the physicality and intensity uh, for, that the Baylor, Baylor, Baylor Bears put on display in Waco. I expect the intensity and physicality to, from BYU to be be on a different level. They showed out in week one against South Florida and quickly asserted their dominance, asserted their physicality, and took control of that game. I, they are dead set on doing the same thing here tonight. However, Baylor presents a much stiffer challenge, which I'm excited to, t- excited to see. Coming up next, we'll hear from BYU head coach Kalani Sitake and get the game time update on his banged up top two wide receivers. That's straight ahead. As the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show continues for big time banking with a home team feel, Zions Bank is for you. My pregame conversation with Kalani, it's coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar pregame coaches show continues. Once again, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. We are live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo. BYU tonight's looking to defeat a top 10 team on the Cougars' home turf for the first time since, wow, that win over Miami. Number one Miami in 1990. It's been 32 years since BYU beat a top 10 team here in Provo. BYU 2-6 all time against top 10 teams at home. BYU has a 5-22-1 record all time against top 10 teams, home away and neutral. The Cougs' last victory over a top 10 opponent, regardless of venue, came almost four years ago at number 6, Wisconsin. By the way, ranked Wisconsin today, losing to unranked Washington State. And Riley, uh, the day in college football today has already seen a lot of uh, favored or higher-ranked teams go down. And uh, a lot on BYU's schedule. You, Notre Dame obviously being chief among them. It was a nail-biter. I, I, that game was so close that it feels like Alabama was in that group. Obviously, they kicked a field goal in the final minute uh, to narrowly escape with a one-point victory against Texas. And then you got some local flavor. Utah State down big to Weber State as the fourth quarter begins down 28-7. So uh, I, I tend to focus on future opponents of BYU. And, yeah, yeah there's been a lot of shakeups. Well, I mentioned that game uh, at number 6, Wisconsin. Uh, the Cougs have not faced a top 10 team since that day four years ago but tonight number nine Baylor rolls into Provo tonight's game is the 25th game that BYU will play as a ranked team under head coach Kalani Sitake the Cougs 19 and 5 under Kalani when ranked and BYU is 21st coming into tonight Uh, one of those losses one of those five losses came last season in Waco when unranked Baylor handled BYU 38 to 24. The Bears used a, tw- a 21 to 3 second half run to pull away. The Jeff Grimes led offense ran for more than 300 yards and set the bar for BYU not only when it comes to this rematch tonight but also with an eye towards P5 life in the Big 12 and where the Cougars have to go. All right, time now for my pregame conversation with Kalani Sitake. It's brought to you by Zions Bank for big time banking with a home team feel. 
Zions Bank is for you. And tonight, the Cougs head coach talks about the chance to run out of the tunnel at Lavelle Edwards Stadium for a seventh time in the home opener on what he hopes is a special night for his team and its fans. Oh, there's, there's nothing like it, and you can tell I kind of lost a little bit of my voice already, <laughs> uh, getting fired up with the fans and the rock, and and, and um, just just really want to show them how much I appreciate them and um, the energy that they bring, and I, I want to make them all happy. So uh, I couldn't help it. You know, I you've heard me say it before. I, I'm I'm a fan too. I'm a fan first before a coach and a former player. So I, I connect with them, and then I want them to know how much we love and appreciate them. So hopefully we can give them a good, good show tonight. <clears throat> how do you like the week of work that your guys gave you in preparation for this game? Oh, it's been amazing. I, the guys, they work hard. This group works hard, and, and, and our, our coaches do a great job with strategy and then uh, getting our guys set up to, ex- to execute um, correctly in all three phases. So I've been just so pleased with how we got how we have our players playing right now. Um, if we can just have a direct correlation from practice to, to tonight then I'll feel really good about it but uh, the preparation has been there the coaching the, the improvement the things that we wanted to get better at the things that we want to fix that we made mistakes on last week uh, I, I feel like we're really w- right on our way and, and now we just got to go out and have fun and show it on the field okay, let's get to some personnel notes for you you didn't have Gunnar Romney last week at USF but you were <laughs> close with him how much closer did he get this week and what's his status and then Puka Nakua got injured in that USF game and those were the two big question marks during the week yeah Gunnar um, a little bit uh, you know we didn't think he would was going to be able to go around midweek and um but it's still we're still hopeful for the next game but uh, obviously not in this game um puka after the game you know during the game they were saying that it looks looks okay he can go if you really want him to uh, um we didn't want to push it <clears throat> we felt like uh, at that point we we're fairly in control of the game um wanted to be safe and then once the adrenaline wore off i think they they ran the x-rays ran more mris and then came out it's like probably be better for us to arrest him this week and <clears throat> you know what that's that's uh we're always going to take care of our boys first and uh this you know it, it sucks not having two of your best receivers and more experienced receivers on the field but um they have a role of being leaders and helping our guys get ready and i'm really excited for the young guys to step up and make their make their mark and and have their names be called tonight cody epps keanu hill chase roberts Braden cosper and they were all involved last week yeah and, and so and then you, then you add in the tight ends right. with hulker and, and rex and and the other so that i mean um, uh, there's a good group, and, and, and I like the way Jaron was playing the game last week, and so I like the way he's spreading the ball out this week, the decisions that he made during practice. Uh, I, I really look forward to him getting out there and, and utilizing all the guys. And, and uh, now with without those, those two, maybe it just can allow them to just be free and just go to the right person rather than trying to force the ball to, to a certain player. So we'll see how it works out. I, th- I think the adversity is, is really good because you can, you can see what our guys are made out of. And, and, I, and I, I really look forward to seeing the guys that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been waiting their time. So here, here it is for Chase and, and Keanu and Cody and Cosper and the others. 
defensively, it was a pretty clean week for you in Tampa. Uh, Gabe Summers uh, took a tweak. Uh, how was Gabe this week? Yeah, he's good, he's good to go. Uh, he, he was hurt. It looked bad, and then uh, looked like he was going to miss some time. And uh, miraculously, he, he showed up to Sunday uh, treatment, and it was better. <laughs> so uh, we were prepared for the worst, and he actually did, didn't miss practice at all. So, um, you know, we, we got to keep drinking the water that he drinks, you know, <laughs> so sh- share some of that, that health. Uh, but uh, really happy to have him back because he has tons of ability, but the experience that he has playing in these type, type of games is going to be huge for us. Earlier in the interview, in the interview you talked about uh, cleaning up some of the mistakes you witnessed last mm-hmm. week. What are some things that you that you wanted to uh, address this week? Well, after looking at it, the, the, the kickoff team obviously is a glaring one that everybody wants to look at, but um, you know, we put guys out there. I think uh, we wanted to give some reps to guys and, and obviously cost us on, on some points, but I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice points for guys that uh, have some experience. Um, you know, I, I think maybe we went down to reserves on kickoffs too early, but uh, who, who, who knows? I mean, I, I think getting those guys the valuable reps are running down and running full speed and, and seeing the mistakes on film will be beneficial for them in tonight's game when they're playing defense or on offense. So uh, I, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, this week we'll see how, how much, how, much uh, how we approach the kickoff team. I, I like the adjustment that Ed has made. But I also like the way Jake is kicking, too. So I think we can trust our guys. Okay, a couple quick scouting notes maybe on the Baylor offense. Uh, a lot of different playmakers they're trying to find uh, compared to last year's game you had against the Momenko. Yeah, and they have some new guys. But when you look at their old line, they got the bulk of those guys yeah. back. And so that's that's an easy place to start when you look at the experience of returning uh, starters. And, and they have a quarterback that, that is very sharp in the way that he throws the ball, very accurate, and great decision maker. And, 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 and under... I think he's underrated his, his athleticism and speed because he doesn't do that very often, but he can get up and go. And so um, he's a total package. I mean, it was enough for for them to, to bypass Bohannon yeah. and, and go with, with shape. And so uh, you can, I can see it on film. He's, he's got a lot of ability. Um, then you mix in all the speed and the athleticism that they have and their skill positions. It's going to be a tough uh, a tough outing, but uh, I think our defense is, is ready for the for the challenge and looking forward to see them com- you know compete, especially at the line of scrimmage. A lot of guys back on the Baylor defense, including uh, Siaki Ika up front, and they really kept your ground game from getting going last year. Yeah, he's a force, and, 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 and I mean, he was doing that uh, since since he was putting a helmet on, so he, he's a, he's always a problem, but I think there's some things that we can do differently that, that will help our offense execute better, and uh, we have to have a, some kind of ground game. You know, last last year they took it away from us. He was a big part of it, but uh, I think A-Rod, Fessy, the, the, the staff have, have some plans, and we'll see how it works. Uh, I like the strategy, and I like the, the you know, what they're trying to get done tonight. Uh, we'll see how it works, but I, I, I like our challenge, and then you know, I don't know if you can really stuff that guy because he's such a force, but um, we just have to keep playing our game, too, and, and, and not be so focused on one player. Okay. Finally, as I walked in to talk to you, uh, The Rock was filling up the stands. It's a sold-out night, a late night, and a top 25 matchup. Man, this is, uh, this is one of those special nights already. You could feel it. You could feel it. And, and there's just there's something about a home opener in Lavelle Edwards Stadium and the excitement energy that you can feel. Uh, and, and it's such an honor to have Baylor here, you know, as, as, as an opponent for our opening uh, opening home opener. Um, but um, we're going to need them. You know, I, I think uh, 
we rely on our fans everywhere, on the road and definitely at home. So uh, I'm calling on them to lose their voice. Like, I, <laughs> I've lost mine already. So I don't know who's going to yell at the refs if I don't have a voice by the time the game starts. But let's go have some fun, man. Let's just get after it and have a good time and, and treat people with respect and love and, and, and be competitive and cheer our team on and, and uh, do it the Cougar way. So appreciate you guys. All right. Well, I'm hoping to keep my voice, but I wouldn't mind if it's a little raspy by the end of the night. Uh, Kalani, thank you for the time. Best of luck. We'll talk to you post game. Let's roll. Thank you. Go Cougs. That is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake, and this has been the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show. The NutraCost Cougar kickoff show is coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Kickoff is just around the corner. You're listening to the NutraCost Cougar Kickoff Show. NutraCost, the official supplement provider of BYU Athletics. The Cougar Kickoff Show is also brought to you by Bailey's Moving. We move with you every step of the way since 1952. Also by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Let's head live to the Built Bar broadcast booth. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good evening once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Lavelle Edwards Stadium for the BYU Cougars 2022 home opener. The already shorthanded Cougs battling the Baylor Bears for a fourth time all time. Baylor leads the series two games to one with both wins in Waco. BYU looking to go 2-0 in home games against Baylor. This is the NutraCost Cougar kickoff show presented by NutraCost, the official supplement provider of BYU Athletics. Greg Grubel and Riley Nelson with you in the broadcast booth. Former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens joining us from the sidelines and the Zions Bank end zone for big time banking with a home team feel. Zions Bank is for you. Our Cougar Canyon and scoreboard hosts Ben Bagley and Jason Shepard. Our booth engineers Michael Wimmer and Clark Jackman. Our studio engineer and Cougar Canyon engineer Barry Squires. Our spotter McKay Perry. Coordinating producer Terry South. Court control board operators Logan Gardner and Corbin Radford. Broadcast interns Shiler Johnson and Dallin Burningham at the stadium with Jared Call back at BYU Radio. You are tuned in on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Our satellite flagship BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143. Our Salt Lake City over the air flagship KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. You can also listen on the BYU Radio app, the KSL apps, as well as the BYU Game Day app, plus BYURadio.org and our network affiliates in Utah and Idaho. And be sure to subscribe to the BYU Football Podcast for broadcast archives and highlights. You can also get those on the BYU Radio app and at BYURadio.org. Search sports or shows and look for BYU Football. Well, BYU is on game two, and the same injury woes that plagued the Cougars throughout last season have already returned. Wide receiver Gunnar Romney got hurt early in camp and has been on the shelf ever since. Puka Nakua got BYU off to an explosive start at USF last week. Then he left the game after seven minutes injured and will not play tonight. Neither Puka Nakua nor Gunnar Romney will suit up tonight. They combined for 250 receiving yards last season in Waco. BYU's chances to win, well, they take a hit without those two players. And the bottom line is BYU's not had enough games when both Romney and Nakua are available and healthy together. Over 2021 and 2022, Riley, that's 14 games, 13 last year and one this year. BYU's had only seven games when both guys have catches in a game. 
Yeah, Greg, and I mean, look, I don't want to minimize their impact because as you just stated, BYU's chances of winning the game go up when both those guys are on the field. They're tremendous playmakers. They're very seasoned veterans for this program. But those numbers you just read tell me two things. This offense is, if they're not already, they're getting more and more accustomed to playing without the full complement of receivers, especially when it comes to Puka and to Baylor. And then the second thing that it tells me is that the guys waiting in the wing know the, the likes of Chase Roberts, Braden Cosper, Cody Epps, and others know they are going to get. Yeah, exactly. They know they are going to get their opportunity to shine and make a big play in a big game like here tonight. And that's what I can't wait to see is those guys champing at the bit and coming after their opportunity to make a name for themselves. So on that note, no Nakua, no Romney. Well, that's bad, right? It's unfortunate. BYU would have a game this important this early in a season and not be at full strength. But Let's note that last week in Tampa, BYU got only one catch from Nakua and a DNP from Romney, yet Jaron Hall had a career-high 25 pass completions to a total of 12 receivers, so 11 others besides Romney and Nakua. And we saw BYU last week lean more heavily on tight ends. We saw Keanu Hill score a touchdown. We saw Chase Roberts, Cody Epps, Braden Cosper be liberally targeted. Time for all those guys, Riley, as you know, to step up. I mean, and I'm personally excited, and they're all involved, but Chase Roberts in particular, he looked really good in his BYU debut at USF. The other guys we talked about, they've all played. They'd all been on the field. Chase had not. Six foot four inches and really shifty for a taller player. Yeah, he's a little bit bigger, but to me, he's reminds me a lot of Dax Milne. Crisp route runner has a really good knack and inherent ability to create separation both at the line of scrimmage and at the top of his route. Everyone was very excited about him uh, throughout fall camp, and uh, you know he had a he had a great showing. Like you said, not not a ton of targets uh, in week one, but with the absence of Puka. Uh, I expect him to, he's one of those players when I mentioned this, just ready to get going out the gate. And then the other thing I'll mention is you've got Lopina Katoa, who is a very stalwart and uh, and uh, proven commodity, a almost a uh, comfort blanket, if you will, for Jaron Hall coming out of the backfield. Expect him to get involved along with the tight ends in the passing game to supplement the absence of the two wide receivers. So without two of its best offensive weapons on the outside, the Cougars and OC Aaron Roderick need to find a different way tonight. And it may be in the run game. You already mentioned uh, the backs as receiving options. But without Nakua and Romney, last season's 67-yard outing on the ground is unlikely to get the job done tonight. Chris Brooks had more than twice that number by himself last week in Tampa. Getting Brooks and Lopini Katoa going could, could be the key to victory tonight. Talk about the ground game. Yeah, and so that 67 was just from the running backs. The the overall number was over 100 yards because, as many fans will remember, Jaron had that big, long touchdown run. So expect to see some of that, whether it's by design or him, uh, you know, taking advantage of green grass in front of him. He needs to do that. Here's the biggest thing I'm excited for. Last year... BYU was predominantly, and when I say that, I mean 80-plus percent wide zone run, meaning they're attacking the B-gap or the C-gap. So think guard tackle, right? Think the outside edge of the offensive line. What we saw a ton of last week against USF was downhill A-gap, so that's between the guards and the centers, power run schemes. I am really excited to see. The reason for that, by the way, Algier, of course, was a great wide zone runner, Mm -hmm. uh, but... 
the Baylor defense knew how to shift it, get off the blocks. They perhaps beat BYU to their blocks moving or to, to the spots moving laterally, and it really stifled Taylor Algiers. You got Christopher Brooks, who's at least 15, I think probably 20 pounds heavier than Tyler Algiers, showed an extreme level of comfort running straight downhill right at the teeth of this defense. And with their stated intention of coming out and establishing a physical presence, I'll be interested to see how that power A-gap scheme does against this Baylor defense. Let's go back to the rushing numbers in Waco last year. Let's restate them for a moment. So BYU gained 110, lost 43, on sacks so a net of 67 rush yards last year a net of 67 33 from Algier by the way Tyler carried it 15 times so that's a decent number he was he was at 2.2 yards per carry along of seven Tyler never got loose last year so Algier 15 carries 33 yards Jaron Hall had the 56 yard touchdown run but on 42 yards lost, he ends up with a net of 25. And then Puka Nakua had a fly sweep for nine. So three players carried the Only three had rushes for a total of 67. The yards per carry was 2.8 on the day. Baylor's yards per carry was 6.4. Knowing Aaron Roderick, so he's big on no self-defeating penalties, but also no negative plays. I guarantee that was an emphasis this week in their preparation. That is crazy to me, Greg. I see this 67 number, and I go, oh, I assume he's just accounting for the running backs. But as you just laid out for us, that was the net 40 yards in in losses. Well, 40-plus yards in losses. On five sacks, by the way. Boy, oh, boy. If that's not something that uh, this BYU offense is set out to avenge here today, um, because that's something else. Yeah, five sacks, 41 yards in lost yards alone, just that number last year. All right, we'll have more of the NutraCost Cougar kickoff show straight ahead. But before the break, we remind you to go to BigOtires.com and make an appointment at one of 50 locally owned and operated Utah locations. Big O Tires, the team you trust. The NutraCost Cougar kickoff show continues after this live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar Kickoff Show continues. Let's head back to the Built Bar Broadcast booth with Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 21st-ranked BYU, 9th-ranked Baylor coming up 25 minutes past the hour. So uh, when you see an 8 o'clock kick, it's actually 8.15. 8.15 is actually 8.20. 8.20 is actually 8.25 most of the time. So 8.25 is our new kick time for the Cougs and the Bears. Uh, second meeting in as many seasons and like the second of many conse- and likely the second of many consecutive get-togethers as next season BYU of course joins the Big 12 and Riley it was 1 year ago today 1 year ago today was the date on which BYU accepted the invite to the Big 12 along with Cincinnati, Houston and UCF so it's been 1 year since that momentous day, which turned into a great weekend. Let's remember that that weekend was also the weekend BYU beat Utah and ended that nine-game losing streak to the Utes. So, yes, it's been a full year, and now we get to look ahead to BYU and Baylor, not only as a big game, but a conference game. Yeah, this is a great forecast of things to come, and I think the Big 12 has a bright future. We also find ourselves a year later where somehow USC and UCLA have found themselves in the Big 10, right? So imagine more shakeups to come. One thing I think we do have a high degree of confidence is that Baylor and BYU will be, you know, stalwarts in the Big Big 12. It'll be interesting to see at the rate things are going, who else joins the conference by the time, you know, BYU makes their debut. But uh, you couldn't, these two programs, obviously religiously affiliated, 
universities uh, go about their business in a very workmanlike, you know, very solid, fundamental, physical uh, brands of football. Uh, they're just meant, these two programs are destined to provide extreme entertainment for us for a long time to come. And as BYU Tonight hosts its future conference foe, the Big 12's new commissioner is on campus. He'll be in the building. He's in the building. Brett Yormark is on the tail end of his tour of Big 12 college campuses. And Riley, tonight's marquee matchup of two top 25 teams on ESPN, a big-time Big 12 media partner. And he's talking with ESPN already about the next deal. What an ideal showcase for BYU as Commissioner Yormark makes a visit this weekend. And Cougar Nation is providing quite the welcome party. You already talked about with Coach Satake in your pregame interview how the Rock had filled up their seats basically from the moments they opened the gates. And the rest of the crowd is starting to fill in. It was an announced sellout. I think this will actually be a real sellout. Yeah. Right? It's not going to be a UCLA-type announcement, uh, uh, attendance announcement. This one's actually, there's going to be 65,000-plus in the seats at Lavelle Edwards Stadium here tonight. And for the commissioner of the Big 12 to be here and behold it, the energy, the enthusiasm, and then ultimately the gameplay. Boy, I'm just uh, tickled pink to be a part of it. Now we're seeing a new uniform for BYU tonight. Well, you're saying, well, it's all royal. We've seen that before. But we haven't seen this helmet before. This is a new chrome finish nickel face mask helmet. And so as part of tonight's color rush, we are seeing a uniform that has never, ever been worn by BYU on the football field thanks to the new lids the Cougars are sporting. BYU in the All-Royals with white letters and numerals. And Baylor tonight will be in white jerseys, green pants, green helmets with with a gold on the sides, and the numerals, letters and numbers, will be green on white, a high level of contrast for us in the broadcast booth. We like the Baylor uniforms in that respect. Well, Baylor's 38-24 win last season in Waco saw the Bears lead by 21 points in the fourth quarter before the Cougars tacked on a final score. Baylor outrushed BYU 303-67. to And they an 11-plus minute edge in possession time. Yes, BYU threw for a ton of yards while playing catch-up, but the sense was that Baylor kind of bullied BYU. And in essence, gave the Cougars a target of sorts for which to shoot as they see where they are in relation to the best that the Big 12 has to offer. Baylor was a Big 12 champion last year. Baylor was a Sugar Bowl champion last year. Riley, tonight's game is is a referendum of sorts on, on just how much better BYU's gotten and how much more prepared BYU might be to compete not just against Baylor but in the Big 12 starting next season. And Greg, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, preseason, not the preseason rankings and, uh, and media polls, but Baylor's uh, picked to be top of the Big 12 again. They right? are. So now, now last year when they won it all, they were picked eighth. Yeah. So Dave Aranda in year two really surprised a lot of people, and now the expectation is, well, this is who Baylor is with Aranda and Grimes and others, and they're picked to win it this year, right? Yeah, so take those uh, you know, preseason media polls with a grain of salt, but uh, this is another test like it was last year of how BYU stacks up against the best of the best in, the P5, in their soon-to-be new P5 conference and uh, a very storied conference of the Big 12 and I think BYU uh, listening to the pregame uh, uh, sorry the during the week press conference from both but from coach Sitake Roderick and Tuiaki uh, they said it was evident last year that they were not they're not there yet and they hope that they've made strides and progress 
in two ways, not just to show that they're ready to compete at the top of the Big 12, but ultimately uh, avoid a loss and come out and uh, come away with a win in their home opener of this 2022 season. Now, last year I didn't do a lot of this, but this year I am. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm much more mindful of the Big 12 scoreboard this year. Uh, than, than I was in the past. And I was noting today that you had, you know, a Houston play at Texas Tech, which is a future conference game. By the way, Texas Tech won that game in overtime, and Houston was ranked going into that game. So now is the time to start really paying attention to what's happening in your new league. By the way, I mentioned Coach Dave Aranda and Jeff Grimes. Cannot leave out Ron Roberts because that's the head coach and the two coordinators. As much attention as Grimey gets, and justifiably so, for fielding a tremendous Baylor offense, the Baylor defense is, is excellent. And Ron Roberts in combination with Jeff Grimes, form one of the best coordinator duos in college football. All right, time now for tonight's Hyatt Place Comfort Zone feature at Hyatt Place Provo. Your safety and comfort will always be our highest priority. And Jaron Hall, well, he looked extremely comfortable last week, completing 78% of his passes on a new career-high 25 completions. He went 25 for 32. Let's dive into that a little bit, Riley. Of the 32 attempts, half... 16 were screens, and it was 25 completions, more than half. 13 were on screens. Now, I get the sense that BYU left a lot on the play call sheet last week at USF after leading 38 to nothing. Hall can still let it fly. He throws a really nice deep ball. It's not all going to be short stuff. In fact, last week they could have had uh, maybe even a touchdown if Keanu Hill hauls in a perfectly thrown deep ball from Jaron Hall. But what do you think about that? The fact that they kept things really close to the line of scrimmage last week in completing 25 passes. They tried to push the ball down the field, Greg. You mentioned the drop by Keanu Hill on the sideline. That was the only kind of outside one-on-one go opportunity. There were other four distinct shots, three of the four being off of play action, uh, where they were trying to get the ball down the field. Uh, One was on a double move, and uh, two were on deep crossers, uh, where they were trying to get the ball, ironically, on both to to down Holker. And then another double move, what's called an over-return to Isaac Rex. Each one of those... There was underneath cover. They, they were bracketed, meaning they had a safety and they had a linebacker on uh, on those tight ends, and they were unable to do it. Today, it, listen, it didn't hurt them against USF not being able to complete the ball down the field. They need to do, find a way to get those guys open. It can't be enough that they keep a safety over top, and it prevents Jaron from completing the ball down the field. They need to find a way to push the ball down the field, threaten this Baylor Bears defense, soften them up, to be able to uh, attack them from all angles. For those who might be joining us a little later into the program, let's uh, let's restate the news at the top of the show, which is the absence of Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua, BYU's top two wide receivers coming into the season, and the two guys who accounted for nearly 250 receiving yards in Waco last year. They will not be on the field for BYU tonight, so the Cougs will be getting it done with other players. And among them, Chase Roberts, Keanu Hill, Cody Epps, and Braden Cosper, all who had catches last week at South Florida. All right, we are back with more of the Nutra Cost Cougar Kickoff Show live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Getting you geared up for game time. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Now back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Let us pause 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. All right, 
to BYU and Baylor coming up 25 past the hour is our new kick time, so we're still 20 minutes away from that. Both teams, BYU and Baylor, opening with the easy wins last week. BYU won 50-21 at South Florida. Baylor defeating FCS foe Albany 69-10 at McLean Stadium in Waco. BYU led its game 38-0 before USF scored, but it was a commanding performance really start to finish. Offense had 0-3 and outs. Special teams, yeah, there were a few shaky spots. Uh, Kalani, though, has made, has made, note, made note that they could have actually decided to not give the kick cover teams chances to go to work. They could have gone deep and gone through the end zone. But he actually wanted some depth guys to get some work on kickoff. And he says that might have shown up in what USF was able to I thought it was interesting that they may have, you know, in, in an attempt to maybe get enough guys reps in that kind of game, might have hurt themselves a little bit in terms of efficiency. Well, and look, before the kickoff return, they were it was working, right? Rather than conceding a touchback, which the opponent starts on the 25, the average starting field position was right around the 20, the 19 or the 20. Obviously, when they returned the kick, that, uh, that um, shifted it significantly, but it was working. They were gaining yardage in the field position battle by uh, getting those sky kicks. It's something we've seen BYU use strategically with Coach uh, Coach Lamb and this Coach Satake staff. Uh, they've used it a lot, but they don't use it um, exclusively. So it, it'd be interesting to see if they use a mix or they go the sky kick or they just go ahead and say, you know what, Baylor, we'll see you on the 25. Okay, so that was special teams last week. Uh, the first string defense was dominant. And, and Riley, it was only one game. It's only USF. However, if you were among those who expected BYU to bounce back and improve on its defensive numbers from last season, the early indicators, and yeah, it's really early. It's 60 minutes of football, but there were a lot of positive things from BYU defensively last week. Greg, you said last segment that the offense left a lot on the play sheet. The defense, to me, more strikingly left a lot on the play. The first quarter and a half of that game, I was seeing disguises. I was seeing combo coverages where they mix up man and zone. I was seeing uh, defensive alignments that were, like, if I was a quarterback coming up to the ball ready to take a snap, that's a lot to sort through. And then they were ex- even more than just the pre-snap look. They were executing and their disguises pre-snap to post-snap. It got me really excited for this BYU defense. So I, I, obviously the game got in hand. It got it, they got up 21-0. And to me, I think they folded up that play sheet and said, hey, we're not going to give Grimes huh. any more looks. So I'm really excited to see uh, as a continuation of what we saw earlier in that South Florida game what this defense comes out and does tonight. Can I ask you about two guys in particular, Keenan Peely and Tyler Batty? Because both guys were expected to have big 2022. And I thought the way they used Tyler in particular was interesting. wasn't prototypical last week. What did you see from KP and from uh, from from Batty? Well, Tyler Batty didn't have his hand in the ground. Probably, I'd say at least half the snaps. Probably as many as two thirds. He they had him. Uh, he was doing quarterback spy in. So they were doing basically a delayed four-man rush. They do their three, present a drop eight, but then give Tyler the opportunity to either look up the check down and the running back and defend it that way or trigger late and go apply late pressure on the quarterback if the three up front weren't being able to do that. The other thing they had him do, he was traveling across the formation. Wherever the H-back was, Tyler Batty was going that way. And then Keenan Peely, obviously so great to have him. The center of that defense, I cannot think of a single misalignment, Mm. uh, and that all has to do with Keenan Peely being back as the general of that defense, getting everybody uh, properly aligned and to execute on their assignment. Um, So, again, all the more reason for me that uh, I'll say this. 
I was surprised last year about the you know the 303 rushing yards that the defense yeah. gave up. I do not envision anything close to that here tonight. Back to the BYU offense for a moment and a chance to revisit the BYU debut of Chris Brooks at USF. 13 carries, 135 yards, so a better than 10-yard per tote average. Two runs of 40-plus yards, including a 52-yard touchdown run. He was targeted twice in the past game. Big body blocker. BYU may have really found itself a game changer for the 2022 season. I thought it was interesting during his press conference this week that Coach Roderick said basically he he showed that he was everything they thought he was and now what remains to be seen is can he handle the workload, right? Can he really be that 20 to 25 carry workload back and maintain uh, and maintain the high level of production? He is a more downhill runner than Tyler Algier, which makes me excited for a lot of reasons. One, How so? How, like, how do you say that? Because Tyler was a pretty brutish runner. Like, he was, he was aggressive. So Tyler's, and I think it has to do with vision and just like quarterbacks feel more comfortable with different reads that they make in the passing game, mm-hmm. it's the same thing for a running back. So Tyler Tyler, you start him on a diagonal where he's stretching the defense, looking for his opportunity to stick his foot in the ground and get vertical. Chris Brooks is more, give me the ball heading straight downfield at the defense. Once I kind of enter the line of scrimmage of those first four yards, that's where I do my work. And he was able to do that with very quick lateral movement. Obviously, we saw the burst as he was running away from DBs on that 52-yard TD. But more importantly, he's got a different kind of strength. Tyler would explode into defenders and finish runs. Brooks, I think, has a little bit more ability carrying 20 more pounds than Tyler to run through tackles. We saw an absolute brutish stiff arm that he made right in the middle. He was still in the box when he made it, just put a linebacker flat on his back with his arm. And plenty of other times where guys were trying to tackle him on his legs and were simply bouncing off. Anyone, by the way, if you get the chance to see Chris Brooks either on campus or out in the community, just massive tree training. I mean, Tyler was big, don't get me wrong, but like Chris is on a different level and uh, it shows in his style of running. As we head to break, time now for tonight's Player to Watch, brought to you by VidAngel. Skip offensive content in movies and shows when you watch with VidAngel. Learn more at vidangel.com. And Riley, who's your player to watch for BYU in tonight's game against Baylor? So hopefully that, uh, you know, VidAngel will let us do that. But they have both singular movies and series. Tonight's more of a series in that I'm gonna, our five guys to watch mm. are ah. Connor Pay, Harris <laughs> LaChance, um, Blake, Blake Freeland, Clark Barrington and Kingsley Suamataia, and uh, those guys for me is where it's going to begin and end tonight with their ability to establish a physical presence. And I don't just mean in the run game. Obviously, it starts in the run game. But you meant we talked about earlier, 45 yards in sacks and negative plays last year. That offensive line, I think, is taking that personally, and I'm excited to see how they respond here today. And again, BYU had a total of 33 running back yards last year on the ground against Baylor. Uh, Let's uh, give you a final score from Southfield. The BYU women's soccer team, ranked 13th nationally coming in two tonight, was hosting Utah Valley. BYU had been 7-0 all-time against UVU. Well, the Wolverines have picked up their first ever win over BYU women's soccer. UVU 4 and BYU 2. Tonight's final at Southfield. BYU led 1-0 and then did not lead again. BYU led 1-0 in the fifth on a goal from Brecken Mozingo. UVU scored back-to-back goals. BYU scored from Ali Fryer to tie the game at 2. Then it was UVU scoring the final two. One to end the first half and one in the second half. And 4-2 is your final UVU over BYU in women's soccer. Before we go to break, let's join 
the Cougar Marching Band for our national anthem. Lovell Edwards Stadium coming up. We'll head down to field level and hear from Mitchell Jurgens as the Nutricost Cougar kickoff show continues right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Let's get back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 21st ranked BYU hosting 9th ranked Baylor. It's the third uh, uh, the third time that BYU's faced Baylor as a ranked team. BYU 1-1 one one when they play Baylor while BYU's ranked. Uh, BYU's never before faced though a ranked Baylor team. A win tonight would be the 20th ranked win for head coach Kalani Sitake and it would also be Kalani's 50th win as BYU head coach. Kalani once said Kalani once said he'd love to be considered the Polynesian Lavelle, and he's on the right path on the field. Lavelle picked up his 50th BYU win in his seventh season and his 77th game. Kalani is in his seventh season and will tonight be coaching his 79th game, so pretty close. And Riley, in ways other than on-field performance, Kalani and Lavelle share some common traits, even though they're not identical personalities. Yeah, it's interesting that the numbers are lining up that way. I think when Coach Satake made that comment about wanting to be the Polynesian Lavelle, I think it had to do more with the impact he would have on the lives of his players, the uh, length of time he was able to be here at BYU as the head football coach. But uh, I tell you what, everybody in Cougar Nation, if they're not, they should be grateful that we have Kalani Satake as our head coach, that he's entering his seventh year. Not just because he's such a great guy and we all love him. That is true, and that is bona fide. He's one of the most genuine, good-hearted, and he's also, by the way, a great football mind, extremely competitive, and gets his guys ready to play week in, week out. Um, But uh, everybody, if if you're not... You know, thanking your lucky stars for this guy leading, heading up the program, you should be uh, because it is a treat. And here's to many more years to come, just like Lavelle. All right, let's head down now to field level and former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens reporting from the Zions Bank end zone for big time banking with a home team feel. Zions Bank is for you. And Mitch, first things first, and that's the weather forecast clear skies, pleasant temperatures. Low humidity. Uh, last week's two-hour, 35-minute weather delay at USF. Now a distant memory. You will not be seeking shelter tonight. No, not at all, Greg. It, it's honestly a great night for a football game. 
Um, you know, and even though the weather seems to be perfect, you know, some could view it as a potential leveler in terms of playing conditions. But BYU looks to have a significant home field advantage for tonight's game in, in really three ways, right? Number one, Baylor will be playing on a 920 or 925 body clock at time of kick, which they basically never do. Um, number two, playing at such a high elevation can have an effect, as we've seen a lot of visiting teams who aren't used to it. They can tend to struggle and uh, on some of those long sustained drives. And number three, this home crowd here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium Provo is proving to be a very difficult place to play, and you can feel the energy already. There's not an empty seat. Um, it, it appears that there's not an empty seat here in the stadium. It's going to get loud. We saw last year against Utah and Arizona State how difficult these fans can make make it for opposing offenses and defenses. Uh, just super excited to see how this turns out here in a couple minutes. As a former BYU wide receiver who worked his way up the depth chart, Mitch, what's your perspective on the Gunnar Romney-Puka-Nakua situation tonight, and how do you expect the Cougars to react and respond in what could be their most important and impactful game of the year without those guys? Yeah, you know, it's, it's time for other players to step up and make a play. Every, uh, you know, everybody on this roster is dreaming about a time where they can come in and make an impact. And what a better opportunity for this receiver group to step in. You know, the lights are on. It's an 8-15. You're, you're going against a ranked opponent. You can truly prove that you're a playmaker here at Lavella Stadium for this BOU roster. So they should be licking their chops and getting ready for some big-time moments today. Thank you, Mitch. Coming up next, starting lineups in the opening kick. This has been the NutraCost BYU Cougar Kickoff Show, live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.